You are listening to the D49er update here on 22 West Media, or actually recorded in 22 West Media, but on the Daily 49ers SoundCloud, iTunes, and all that, because despite what is being said in the James segment, we are completely pre-recorded tonight. So yeah, uh, we're going to continue to work on this and evolve and so on and so forth. Our two guests in the studio with us tonight's segments, they would like to introduce themselves. What's up, guys? Uh, my name is Kevin Kalindras. I'm the assistant sports editor at the Daily 49er. I'm Samantha Diaz. I'm the arts and life editor. Mm-hmm. And then, Sam, we will actually be starting off by jumping right over to your um, segment. So, All right. And starting off here, we have our arts update um, with our arts and entertainment editor, our arts and life editor. Arts that and life. Arts and life. It's a force of habit. <laughs> um, our arts and life editor Sam Diaz. So you had a couple stories come out this week, a, a, a decent mm-hmm. handful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Um, what's I guess we'll start off with the fashion one. So what? The, it was a fashion feature actually, and who was that feature on? Yeah. So I did a feature on this woman. Her name is Crusada Serpus. Um, I met her last semester. Um, we just started communicating through email, and I was looking at her designs and her social media platform. And I just saw that she had a lot of cool things going on. Um, So we set up a few interviews. This was, I think my, my second time meeting up with her in person. Mm. And, and yeah, she's just, she's really interesting. Um, She majored in mat and fashion merchandising when she went to our school. Okay. So she's an alum. mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Where, where are some of the cool things that she is doing with that degree then? So she's coming up on, I think actually just this week she is coming up on her first year of having her own fashion line. Mm-hmm. So she um, she makes all these dresses. They're all her, her own designs and her own patterns. And then she sells them in an online store. And she's just been doing that for a while. And it's taken off pretty well. And she's gotten a few of her dresses like worn by news anchors and... Like a lot of friends and family are supporting her, so it's just really cool to like see the process. Yeah, and what is that process? According to Crusada, she said it really starts off with an idea in her head, and she can get this idea from anywhere. From um, she said, usually she gets the idea when she goes to the LA Fashion District and she's just looking for fabric, mm-hmm. um, which is actually actually the second step. So when she has an idea, she goes to the fashion district and she starts looking for fabric for her dress that she has in mind. And then after that, she creates a pattern. And um, and that part I thought was really cool because a lot of designers will go off of other pre-made patterns. Yeah. And the fact that she makes them all on her own, I thought was super cool. And then she's able to produce a sample. And that part, mm-hmm. she actually works with other people. So, so she gives them her patterns and the fabric that she wants to use. And then they create the sample for her. And when she gets it back... Um, she just kind of tweaks it to her liking. Um, she'll put it on a model and different women and just see how it fits them and how mm. they like it. And then she'll tweak it from there. And then um, right now she has about, I think, 10 pieces mm. in her. It's called like a ready to wear line. A ready to wear line. Mm. Why is it called a ready to wear? So so her company's actually called Crusader Couture. Mm. So what she wants to get into is like a couture line. And that means that the dresses you make are one of a kind and they're fit to one specific person so like like you come to me and i make that dress for you and there's no other dress Mm. but right now what she has is ready to wear so she'll make like 10 or 20 copies of a single dress Mm -hmm. and she'll put those out oh so it's like it's a single dress in like 10 or 20 different cuts then i guess you could Mm -hmm. say Mm -hmm. oh that's great man like you know just as as someone who used to work in retail like the thing that you often especially like um 
like what essentially is like the fast food version of a retail like clothing store, which is H and M, which is where mm-hmm. I used to work. Everything's like cut in like the same, just like boxy as like all hell. Yeah. doesn't fit well. Like type of cut, you mm-hmm. know. So it, it's it's nice to see kind of like a a tailoring to um, the actual wearer's own proportions. Yeah, there's definitely a sense of like personality that goes into it. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, if it's made for you, it's going to be catered to your taste. So it feels it feels more personal if it's like if she's making it for you. Yeah. So it, very uh, hands on experience. Uh, it, like, is there any like specific styles that you could give way to or or talk about? Or I noticed at least whenever I saw her in person, she had this sort of um, pinup fashion, and I think her line also kind of follows that. So mm-hmm. they're very fitted dresses. Um, it seems like they're, they're made for pretty curvy women. Um, yeah. the pictures that I saw people like wearing them, that's, that's usually like what I saw. Um, but yeah, if I had to, I had to put it in the category, it'd be pinup. But, but when I was talking to her, she said like, she doesn't like to put herself into one category. She kind of like, likes to go into different things. So she has uh-huh. some pinup dresses. Um, she has some cocktail dresses, and like I said, she has her couture dress. And I actually saw, I got to saw, um, see her first one that she's made, like, into a finished product. And it was beautiful, and it was um, it was black and blue, and it had all these, like, sequins and designs on it. And it's mm-hmm. actually um, on our website, if you want to take a look. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's good to get a quick pimping of the website mm-hmm. in right there as Daily well. Daily49er.com. Daily49er.com, Yeah. So anyway, uh, keeping on with that, um, we're moving on, moving right along into another art story. So yeah, uh, so Center for Medieval Renaissance Studies holds a lecture, kind of uh, confronting the um, like white supremacy undertones that are typical in mm-hmm. that community. If you could kind of go into that there. Yeah. Sam. So I thought this one was really interesting. Um, I get all the emails from the Medieval Students Association Club. Um, I'm not even sure that's the right name I just said. But anyways, um, I get all their emails, and when I got this one, it just kind of, I guess, piqued my interest because I guess um, if you hear it right off the bat, it sounds kind of strange. Like, you don't really see, um, like, the bridge between, like, medieval and Renaissance times and, like, white supremacy Mm -hmm. today. So um, I reached out to, like, the sponsor, I guess, of the club. Uh Um, And he's the one that was... Um, hosting it so it's actually not the club that's hosting it it's the medieval medieval and renaissance studies like association that's hosting it and um it's this woman dr dorothy kim oh she's the advisor for the club the oh the the ian i think it's ian or ilan mitchell smith is the advisor for like the like the study center Mm -hmm. but dr dorothy kim is the is the woman that's like the guest speaker okay who's going to be actually it already happened um who came on campus last week and she spoke about this and it's actually like like her specific area of study is confronting white supremacy like in medieval ages Mm -hmm. what are some of the issues around confronting white supremacy in media in medieval ages Mm -hmm. so basically um it came from the charlottesville the charlottesville um protest Mm -hmm. that happened back this summer um i guess medieval like enthusiasts noticed that a lot of these white supremacists were using um like medieval symbols Mm -hmm. to kind of like like push forward their political agenda and they saw an issue with that um because at least according to Mitchell Smith, and I spoke to him, 
he was saying um, people have this like misconstrued view of the medieval ages and they think that it was all like European people and like light skinned. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're a white supremacist, you're going to look at that like time period as ideal mm-hmm. and like pure air quotes. Um, but the thing that they're confronting is that that's just not an accurate portrayal of that, that time. You know, like there were other people and a lot of like ethnicities and races and it wasn't all just European just because that's what we see in like TV shows and movies. Like yeah. it's just not accurate. Uh-huh. And uh, was just like the speaking engagement itself to confront that or was there more additionally put into that? Um, well, the lecture, the lecture was just to confront like that history like the realities of that history and then Mm. afterward they had a round table on how to like actually deal with this and tell other people about it and to confront it like what were some examples of the history being more diverse um i think just the fact that like it was more diverse you know like it wasn't all just white people and like just the idea that like it just it doesn't even make sense if you think like if if you even have like common sense like (laughs) like no t- time period is all white people. Like, yeah. that's just it's just not accurate. So uh-huh. just to like have the idea in your head, I think they're just trying to like um like take that head on. Mm-hmm. Confront that. I mean, just the the overall the multiculturalism of it that isn't like that's glossed over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So what's coming out in your section, Sam, for the upcoming weeks here? Okay. So in tomorrow's paper, you're going to see two stories by um one of my top writers right now. Her name is Cheyenne Riberol Norton. Mm-hmm. And one of her stories is a preview for the president's like dinner that Jane Connolly holds every year. Oh, I think okay. it's, I mean, every year I say, but it's like the third annual one. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, she like honors student um, performers and she brings on really interesting, like student centric performers and um, like, I'm trying to think of another word for performers, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and it's like this really fancy thing. So it's um, it's a gala, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other thing that Cheyenne is doing is a review for uh, "We Are Proud to Present," which just premiered yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did a preview on that last week. If you want to like get some background information on what the play is about, if you're thinking about watching it. And next up, we'll be talking to James Chow, our assistant news editor, who will be covering. A multitude of happenings over in news um, from the actual like ASI elections coming up to um, CSULB's ranking in the Kilpiners magazine. So in the pre-record studio with me right now is our news editor, our assistant news editor, actually, for the Daily 49er, James Chow. Hi. Hey. How's it going, James Chow? I'm well. I'm sleepy, but we're, we're going to keep... We're gonna keep on, keep keeping on, keep on keeping on. You're yeah. sweepy, sweepy James. I'm sweepy. Yeah. So, um, this is a pre-recorded segment. Uh, I am sitting with James in the studio a couple days before this actually broadcasts live. So, you know, timestamp this as Thursday night at about five twenty-six. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So, James, we're talking about a couple things tonight. Um, right. Yeah. Right. Um, we're hitting academic senate. We're hitting CSULB's Kiplinger's ranking. ASI elections and so on and so forth. So, um, I don't know, man. Let's let's just hop right into it. Let's let's not, you know, uh, uh, f- like like foot around. I guess you could say with this one. Yeah, uh, we're going full frontal on this one. No barriers. Is that is that an AS? I, I'm not sure if that's an innuendo or if that's playing on the no barriers can't. 
You do. You believe what you want to believe. <laughs> CSULB really, really just likes their slogans. So uh, let's just go right into it. Uh, so Academic Senate, they're like um, pushing for some changes to our general education like requirements around here, or, yeah. or at least are in talks about it. What's kind of like mm-hmm. the, the, the down low on that, James? Uh, well, basically, um, right now there are five categories for GEs, and... Um, uh, I think they're trying to push for is to have only allowed three of them, so mm-hmm. B, C, and D. Um, this is a part of uh, Chancellor White's Executive Order 1100, and this is like around the whole CSU is to yeah. kind of reevaluate general education policies. And um, that was uh, one of the suggestions made at Academic Senate is to have uh, three required ones. Mm-hmm. Now, like why, basically, <laughs> why? Uh, basically, um, the well, the university has over uh, 700 different general education courses, mm-hmm. and you know, um, uh, as Provost Jersky said, students find that our GE universe doesn't have any coherence, and um, students are like basically saying, like, what's the point of having all these GEs? You know, why not just get straight into the major? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, there's actually a survey going out and around about that eventually at some point. What's kind of like the time frame on that, and what are they looking for, James? Uh, so it's the survey slated to be issued in mid-March, uh, and um, it's kind of like to see what uh, what the campus – like what what the students want, like what kind of GEs they want, I think. as That's like as far as I know about that. Um, but uh, – <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's, all, that's, that's the extent of my knowledge. About that's it. the extent of your knowledge. <laughs> so, well, do you think this will be something that changes while we're even still here at um, CSULB? We're the same like year. We're both juniors. Mm-hmm. So, do you think we'll be able to look forward to taking less general ed classes at some point? Or, I mean, it might even be too late now. Yeah, but it, it you know, it doesn't matter to me at least. Yeah, I don't know about you, Joel. <laughs> you don't know about. I mean, I transferred in, so you know. Oh, yeah, that's that's the thing. I still have a couple I need to take care of. Okay. Yeah, not a lot. I don't remember off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. But you even think like freshmen that are here now will um, not have to deal with as many GEs. Probably. Um, I'm not too sure, to be honest, because I'm not sure um, when they plan to release this, because right now it seems like they're barely in the developing stages trying mm-hmm. to get student input on it. But uh, as for freshmen now, maybe. I mean, if they don't if they don't focus on their GEs and focus more on their major work, I guess it might affect them. Possibly. The but maybe, maybe for, like, the prospect of students coming uh-huh. in, like, this next year or the next two or three years. So basically, our advice out there to freshmen is don't focus on your GEs for right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but do. But I mean, really though, <laughs> I mean, uh, that's that's your advice, Joel. That, that is, the, this there's no change. This in that. does not reflect the views of the 49er or 22 West, like <laughs> at all. And it'll probably be cut out in the like actual broadcast, but it might not. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. If you're hearing this, it was not. Uh, so there is, um, CSLB is, is ranked and we're ranked in many things, but one thing we are ranked in now is the Kipplinger's Institute, particularly like around affordability in relation to, uh, like actual academic quality. So if we could kind of like unpack that, James, kind of, you know, get it out, get it going and all that. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. So Kelsey at Long Beach is ranked 70th nationally on Kiplinger Magazine's Best Value in Public Colleges. And this was, this ranking was set out on February 21st. 
And, you know, I, the administration of the university is proud that we place uh, top 100 in public colleges. Um, and the objective measurements was, yeah, what you said earlier, like academic quality and affordability. And I, I find it kind of funny because, you know, as administration is you know super stoked about about this like ranking and stuff like that, mm-hmm. a lot of students are just like like whatever about yeah. it. Yeah, it doesn't well, really mean, affect them, you know. Well, I mean, we're right, we're ranked like seventieth. I mean, there, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of colleges out there, but you know, there's at least sixty nine that are better than us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, yeah, a lot of a lot of them, a lot of California universities. There's like six of them that are. Actually, like five of them that are they better just than kicks, us. Yeah. Basically, I mean, San Luis Obispo beats us. So, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, big mean, whoop. <laughs> I mean, I reported on this story this morning. Like, kind of stole it from you guys for the Daily Cast. That's cool for Twenty Two West. I don't worry. I credit to you. Oh, credit you specifically, James. It was Lorraine's story though, but I mean, or I mean, no, not it. Speci- you specific, but the Forty Nine ers specifically. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's cool. It's, it's it's cool. But you know, dude, like the UCs outrank us, and you know, like the entire purpose of like a CSU education is that it's supposed to be relatively cheaper, mm-hmm. you know. But if you're looking at it in terms of like actual like relationships quality, I guess it's not at least according to whatever like measurements like the Kipplinger Institute uses, right. So I feel like, but, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's pro- they're probably more on the academic quality side that get slated the better ranking. Mm-hmm. I'm not too sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would have to be. Yeah. I, I would imagine. It's more, way more expensive, I think. Yeah. yeah. No, like apparently, you know, like the quality of the education you get at UC just blows out, you know, <laughs> like whatever, you know, CSU can offer. I, yeah. We just had someone peek in the studio. Hi, Peeker. Hi, Peeker. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, dude, I mean, I don't know. We beat out SDSU, though, so that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think they ranked, like, 80-something, 87. 87th. Yeah. yeah. No, I... You remember that. I remember yeah. it because I read it off, like, four times off my copy before <laughs> I had to say it on air. I actually, like, I saw... Um, uh, when I first logged on the website, it didn't, it didn't filter it to... Um, oh shoot! It, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't filter it to uh, national levels and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it showed like our ranking across like I think it was international or something like that. But we were ranked even lower, like hundred something or two hundred something. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, I don't want to. I don't know. Poo poo uh, CSULB too much because there's there's good things here yeah, there's some silver linings there yeah you i mean know, tapping go is a <laughs> tapping go that's your silver lining James. yeah tapping go you, you can't you can't have an iphone without having tapping go if if there was no tapping <laughs> there'd be no iphone if there was no tapping <laughs> there hot takes. apple wouldn't exist if not for tapping which is <laughs> an app that came out years after the like initial iphone I'm telling you, this is uh, this is true right here. It, it's pr- it's the true true. Yeah, it's the true true. It, it's prophetic. <laughs> I'm probably popping the mic here too. I'm sorry. Oh no, it's it's not your fault. It's <laughs> it's completely mine. I cut back on smoking cigarettes. Now I can actually okay. breathe. Yeah, but uh, one of the re- one of the reasons why we actually made the ranking is because we have a pretty low student death debt after graduation. No, that that is true. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I, I I can attest to that as someone who's going into debt right now <laughs> by taking out student loans. Like I'm I'm only up to like let's see, like 5 grand. 
in like student loan debt. Oh man, I'm I'm up to eighteen grand right oh, now. Oh damn. <laughs> oh James. I'm actually above the the average. I mean, like uh, technically, I'd be below the average of the student debt. Uh, how'd that work? Okay, so the average debt for uh, for this university after graduation is fifteen k. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm I'm at like eighteen right now, and I still have like <laughs> three more semesters or oh. two more semesters. Damn. Well, James, I actually have more semesters left than you because I have a minor. Oh, true, true, true. Yeah, man, I that poli sci minor, which I don't know. I'm going back and forth switching that to my major too, okay. which means I might be here even longer. <laughs> oh, man. To be honest, but you know, I'll, I'll I'll have more to talk about when it comes to politics. Uh, well, not if the grad initiative has something to say about that. <laughs> what, oh, oh my God, you're right. <laughs> you're gonna have to graduate quick, quick, because I talked. I'm not sure if this is going on, but I talked to my advisor, <laughs> and um, yeah, like I have to drop my minor, and because they want me to graduate in four years. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, scary times. No, well, you know what? CSU will be. I'll I'll transfer to a UC if you if you just drop that. I have I have the GPA for it, man. You know I can do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I can try. <laughs> I can see if it'll happen. A man can dream about you know UC Santa Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> you want to party, huh? <laughs> yeah, is Santa Barbara a party school? Yeah, I think I so. I just have friends out there. Okay, yeah, well, y'all gonna party together? Well, y'all going a couple party? coronas? You know, a couple coronas. Yeah, popping limes. Yeah, <laughs> frat parties and stuff. Frat, dude, I, I'm not a frat guy. I'm too old to be a frat guy. I'm 23, dude. That's true. That's true. I'm a I'm a grown man at this point. You know, I I can't be a frat person. Yeah, you're you're more the the designated driver. Exactly, <laughs> dude. Like, yeah, like I I have like one beer and then like fall asleep on the couch. Or or you're like you're like the guy who brings the beers to the party because everyone else is underage. <laughs> We at 22 West Media and CSULB <laughs> and the Daily 49er do not condone underage drinking in any form no at all. No way. No way. Uh-uh. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Not today. Sonic says no. <laughs> um, so I feel like we run the clipping or ranking into like the ground a little bit yeah, here. Yeah. yeah. Let's move on to ASI elections. So okay. uh, what has kind of been happening over the last couple of days with that there, James? I believe... Um, they need to get 100 signatures to get on the ballot, right, for the executive positions? Yeah, I think that, that was actually before. Um, so Oh, so they already got 100 signatures. Yeah, I, I think it was, like, before March 5th, they mm-hmm. uh, they had to, um, uh, the candidates running for executive positions, like, um, you know, president, I'm not sure about vice president and treasurer, too, but they had to get, like, I uh, believe 100 signatures or something uh, like that. I know the senators had to get 50. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. you're right. Um, yeah, so I, I think that was for availability to run. I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, but then, you know, after that, uh, before that, you, that was, like, the only kind of campaigning that you can do. But yeah. now, um, I think after March 7th, or today's, no, no, I think after after the... Today's after, March 8th, James. Oh, March 8th, okay. So, you, like, are you I, in such a haze? No, I, I kind of am, a little bit. I'm tired. You're tired. <laughs> <I'm> sweepy. <laughs> You're sweepy? Yeah. James is sweepy? I'm so sweepy. But, James, yeah. it's, you can't... It's, Sorry, you, you can't do that accent on air, James. Okay, it's fine. You're, I mean, even if you are Asian, it's it's not okay. Oh, I meant it like a kind of like a, a cute anime type character. Okay, anyway, anyway, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think it was after March fifth that you could f- start formally campaigning, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's when you know Coffee with the Candidates came out. Yeah, uh, you know March seventh, and um, it came out today. To I mean, um, this is pre-recorded, but it came out March eighth mm-hmm. um, around the bookstore area. 
Yeah. And yeah, that's one way that's that uh, candidates are reaching out to students, you know, to get out the vote. Yeah. And they're also getting out the vote through get out the vote. An informational kind of thing. Campaign. Bow, 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 bow. Get out the vote. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> that that was a real. That was a that was some like headwriting quality stuff right there, James. That was the actual advertisement for get out the vote that you just did. No, actually, no, don't. No, it's it, not, should be, it's it, not, should be, it should be. It should be. I mean, we do rep- um, we do uh, PSAs here at Twenty Two West, so <laughs> I need to get into doing those. Yeah. Just uh, I'm not. We do actual sound effects for some of them too, so I'm just going to do all my own sound effects. That's just that's going, the way to go. Just, One man army one man army oh we have i'll tell you off air but we we have a guy that does excellent sound stuff and voice stuff yeah yeah but anyway back to the asi elections and not you know rambling on about other stuff like like okay who are the candidates like not who are the candidates but who are the candidates that we care about uh I mean, I'm I'm sure we care about a lot. Oh, of I mean, them. we care about all the candidates. Don't <laughs> get me wrong. We, but who are the two that we at the 49er wrote about? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so we did profiles on the the two executive candidates, the, the ones running for uh, the presidential election. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is Sophia Musman. Mm-hmm. Right now, she's the current um, ASI vice president, and she was a former um, College of the Arts senator. Yeah. And yeah, um, during her time, now you know, is this VP the MVP? M- <laughs> I mean, she can be if if you really if you really uh, like her uh, her leadership right now. And what's that leadership like, James? Uh, to be honest, um, I'm not a writer for ASI right now. But I mean, from what I've seen, from what I've edited through articles, mm-hmm. um, uh, she, I, she's been pretty on it. Um, she's been quoted a few times. A lot of uh, senator quotes tend to go in, though. A lot, a lot of uh, uh, my homeboy senator Gazimbi. <laughs> But um, but yeah, but yeah, but back to Sophia. She, you know, she's been through it all. She's been mm-hmm. through um, you know, uh, I think she was the College of the Arts senator during the uh, BDS resolution movement. Okay, and then what's the BDS resolution movement exactly, James? So it was basically it's called um, BDS stands for Boycott Divestment Sanction, mm-hmm. and that's that was like a whole movement going on. Um, and it was a, a prominent in ASI uh, last spring, and this is around the time she was a College of the Arts senator, I believe. And um, yeah, so that was like a really um, that that was a really uh, how do you say this like controversial topic, I guess, going on because um, the resolution was basically to um, divest from companies that gain profit out of Palestinian oppression, and you mm. know, with the the Palestinian conflict going on right now, yeah, that was like a huge huge um, topic for ASI. Mm-hmm. I, I remember. Um, when I was when I was reporting on that, it was like uh, every meeting that they did a reading on it. It was like thirty plus people coming in for public comments, yeah. voicing their either their support for the resolution or against it. I mean, there's no literally, there's no in between. Yeah. yeah. So, where was uh, this candidate's stance on it? Um, I believe she was um, against it at the time because. Um, to be honest, I'm not, I'm not really too sure, mm-hmm. but um, I know I know she was. Uh, there was there were more people in in the Senate that were more vocal toward it. Mm-hmm. Um, They're very passionate about the resolution. Um, I don't believe she was one of them, but um, but uh, you know the resolution did pass. Um, and yeah, she, she was she was around during that time, um, and also she was also and and that was like around the time that she was a, a College of the Arts senator. Mm-hmm. And then um, this past year, she was uh, ASI vice president, mm-hmm. and uh, she also 
uh, she was also there for you know the resolutions that you know one of them being like the sacking of the the football exploratory commission which planned to look into how we could implement football at, yeah. on this campus but uh, one of the main reasons that was sacked down was because uh, it'd be another uh, another price to worry about you know yeah and, or, I mean especially with um, uh, what, what was that story from last semester the the student fees that were going towards yeah. sports collegiate. So, yeah, I mean, you can see down the road that becoming uh, quite the mess. Mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. sure. So, yeah, she she, um, she was there during the time that ASI did not pass that resolution. Uh, and, yeah, she's just been just been through through uh, all the levels of student government pretty much. I mean, at least at the, the legislative branch. But mm-hmm. now she wants to know take a higher executive position now and move towards sen- uh toward you president. could say the highest executive position yeah i mean yeah and uh, she, you know she's been through different leadership positions um i know she's an an organizer oh well, one not an organizer but she's a part of uh beach hillel mm-hmm. uh it, i believe it's a jewish organization campus and she's also part of a sorority uh zeta tau alpha mm-hmm. and yeah um, i believe the technical term is Hasidic. Organization. <laughs> I'm not joking either, James. I think that's that, that is the correct term. Okay, uh, whatever, you, whatever you say, uh, host Joel. <laughs> host Joel. All right. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. All right. Wh- who's our Who's our other candidate here, James? So our other candidate, uh, her name is Genesis Jara. I believe that's how you say her name. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, now this this girl's been been through all kind of like the facets of leadership she, out of like the different she's been through all the like facets like what are some of those facets of leaderships um yeah i mean like she was a student ambassador for amazon um uh-huh. she's done internships with coca-cola okay. um she has her own nonprofit. uh it was uh, i think it's about gowns or let me uh the formal title is gown me up and that's like to help high school girls in need of a prom gown mm-hmm. um and she helps start that uh, that's her own nonprofit organization and right now she's i believe uh chief governmental chief government relations officer uh in ASI so yeah she's been through a, a lot of a lot of positions so a lot of leadership positions and she hopes to get that that very high the very top the, t- of the, the tippy top of the student the tippy top yeah the student body president that's what she hopes to be uh-huh anything else on the candidates or anything else in news that we should be uh thinking about in the coming weeks here james oh well, uh before uh before i switch on to that um yeah she's she, i forgot to add she's also um uh she also had a leadership position in the hispanic student business Associ- association and um yeah people call her wonder woman in that in that uh organization so Mm. Uh, pretty, pr- pretty, pretty good candidate. Pretty good candidates. Both pretty Both. solid candidates. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, as for the upcoming weeks, um, uh, we have a pretty good trend story coming out um, next week. I'm not too sure Ooh. when, but uh, it's about the disab- the ADA accessible ramps on campus. Uh-huh. You know about the construction that's going on with that. Um, we also have political groups that has yet to come out. Um, like. A bun- the uh, like a trend story on the political groups on campus, mm. you know, from Turning Point to YDSA. Yeah, um, you know, Turning. Sorry, I won't say anything bad about Turning Point on the air, but <laughs> 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 but yeah, um, don't we also have the local elections issue coming up as well? Oh yes, we do. Yeah, no, I'm talking to um, 
our guy Carlos. Yeah. Um, actually, next week about that, okay. and we're doing a little a little mini episode of the D49er update that's going to go out next week. Mm-hmm. So, you know, expect that from me and us. Um, but, yeah, so that closes out this segment. And moving over into sports, um, I'm going to be handing the mics off to two people who are much more equipped to actually talk about women's basketball and men's basketball than I am. So over here to uh, Kevin Kalindris and Samantha Diaz, both editors for our Daily 49er, and they're going to talk about the Big West. All right, what's up, guys? Uh, my name is Kevin Kalindris. I'm the assistant sports editor at the Daily 49er. I cover the men's basketball team, but I was, I've also dabbed a little bit in um, the women's basketball team. So I want to start off by talking about the women's team. It, it was a pretty disappointing season to start. I know there was a lot of young talent that came, but they were too young and they couldn't under, they couldn't play together. And it was a tough season for for new head coach uh, Jeff Kamen. And when I talked to him a couple times, he would always tell me that they were working hard, but things wouldn't click. And it was there was a sign of hope when the women's team won their last five games of the season. And going into the tournament, I, I thought they would at least win the first round. What did you think, Sam? Okay. Um, yeah, I thought it was a pretty rough season. Um, I was pretty bummed to see our women's team struggling that much just because I'm a basketball fan and like I want to see our, our sports do well just in general. Um, but it was cool to see them come back strong at the end of the season. Uh, I know their games started getting more attendance. That was cool to see just the school come out and support them. But, yeah, I mean, I had high hopes for them going into Big West, um, especially because we did really well against them last time we played UCR. Um so yeah, I just I thought for sure. I mean, I thought we for sure had that game in the bag, and that was just sad to see them. I mean, they didn't get blown out, but it wasn't a close game either. One of the things that has been bothering the whole team uh, this year was their inexperience and their second half woes. They've just struggled to bounce back from the first half. They've had strong first halves, but it looks like they've been kind of tired or just a little out of place. And just from the from the start of that game, it seemed like they were out of it. Came they came out with the loss and. Their season, it ended on a good note, even with that loss. And I, I won't be surprised if next year they'll be dangerous with all the freshmen like Emma, what, Emma, Me, oh my God, with Emma Merriweather and Shanasia Davison leading the team. All right, then um, let's talk about the Big West tournament that was on Thursday for the men's team. So we were both at this game, Sam, and you know, as journalists. We we have to we have to keep our composure, but the last like thirty like minute minute to thirty seconds was intense, right? So on Thursday they they were part of the quarterfinals, the Big West tournament, Long Beach against Fullerton. Last game, Long Beach got blown out at Fullerton. You know, going into this, I was I wasn't sure how I felt about how the team was going to do after that performance, but since it was a neutral core, I thought it, it would be the nail biting game that it was, and it really lived up to the hype, and. As a journalist, I'm supposed to, you know, kind of keep my cool and just, you know, be professional. But watching this team fight it till the very end was it was very stressful, you know. And that's why I brought Sam with me so we could both experience this kind of game. Can you talk about it a little bit, Sam? Um, yeah. So this was my first. Um, actually, this is my first basketball, like college basketball game that I've been to. Um, definitely. It was exciting. It was, I mean, it was crazy. Like, we were playing Fullerton, and they're obviously our rivals. So that was already, like, just exciting going into. 
Um, and it's like first round of the Big West Conference, so that's also exciting. Um, and it was just a really good game the whole time. Like, like it was really close. Like both teams were just playing really tough, and you could tell like like obviously like they both wanted it. Um, it was just the like both teams were running back and forth the whole time. After covering the team this year, this was really like I really thought that this was the best game that Long Beach has played on both ends of the floor. Offensively, things were clicking. Brian Alberts was starting hot, something we haven't really seen a lot this year. Gabe Levin was doing his thing. Deshaun Booker was doing his thing. But at, at the end of the day, it was just all about hustle, whoever left the most effort on the floor. And at the end of the day, Fullerton did. And it was crazy. The last the last 15 seconds of the game, Deshaun Booker had the ball. He went up for a left-handed layup. It kind of rimmed out, and Gabe Levin was right there for the tip. But somehow... The ball just kind of rolled out, and Long Beach went home without a win. And after the game, talking to Fullerton head coach Dedrick Daler, he said, I'm not as spiritual as I should be, but the basketball gods smiled on us tonight and gave us an opportunity to keep playing. And I thought that was pretty funny, but it really was like that. In a game that had 27 fouls, 11 tied scores, and 7 lead changes, it was a fun game. But at the end of the day, Long Beach had to go home and it was Gabe Levin's last game, and he had to end it on a missed tip. Oh. Um, <clears throat> I mean, that was just really frustrating. Honestly, like you said, there were 27 fouls called, and I might be speaking a little biased here, obviously, but I really feel like a foul should have been called on the last on that last possession. Yeah, especially when, on Yusuf, right? Mm-hmm. The play before where there was like yes. three he guys had the, that botched him. He had the ball in his hand for like three seconds, and I swear there were like like three people from Fullerton like literally like swatting, like trying to swat it out of his hands. And I swear, like, I don't know. I know I know refs don't like to call fouls like that late into the game, but I feel like that was pretty unfair. I feel like a foul should have been called. Um, there were definitely some comments coming from the crowd. Yeah. Um, are saying the same thing and it was just I mean it was just a frustrating way for the game to end um when it really comes down to it though like like we just couldn't get the ball in right and um one of the things that the team struggled with was shooting Deshaun and Gabe they both combined for 12 of 35 which isn't great but at the end of the game after talking to head coach uh Dan Munson he said he was pleased with both of their performances he told them that this was their team and if they were going to go out their way and even though Deshaun only a junior, it seems like Munson has given him the keys to the car, and he's he's gonna be driving the wheel next year. But yeah, um, it was a first round exit, but there's a lot of there's a lot of hope for the team. We have Deshaun Booker coming back for his senior year, and one of my personal favorite players is a uh, freshman Jordan Roberts. He's one of the tallest guys on the team. Great length, great length, great athleticism. He's gonna be a great piece for the next three four years, and. The team's in good hands. And when it comes to Dan Munson, this is his last contractual year. There has been there hasn't been any talks about extending his contract or or what they're gonna do with him, but you have any thoughts on Dan Munson coming back, Samantha? I don't I mean, I like to hear what you think actually. You're the one I mean, I didn't cover this sport, but I'm really interested to just see what happens. Um <clears throat> I don't even I don't know how often it is that we get to the Big West and how far we usually make it, but I feel like we had a we had a pretty strong season. Like, do you think they're going to renew his contract? Well, uh, I think they will. I'm not sure if it's the right choice 
may I would also consider maybe getting a younger coach, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's not up to me, but yeah. If you, if you guys want to see more coverage on this, you can go on the daily 49er.com. I'll have a column up next week about post Gabe Levin life at Long Beach State. Thank you guys. And those were all segments ripped straight from the headlines of the D49er last week, um, our first week of March here. So, yeah, guys. Um, unfortunately, James is not in the studio with us recording everything else tonight. But, you know, hopefully in the future, one day, maybe, he'll be here for more than just 20 minutes to talk about the news. But, you know, say goodbye, guys. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. See who you are, Kevin. I am Kevin Kalindris, the assistant sports editor at the Daily 49er. Good night. Samantha Diaz, the arts and life editor.